Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our service tonight. Uh, tonight is a little bit different. Normally, we have some announcements, and then Pastor comes and speaks for us. And tonight, uh, we have our annual business meeting. I know many of you came prepared for that. And so about at 7.30, we're going to take uh, a short break in between our service and our business meeting. And we will kind of reconvene a few minutes later and start our business meeting. But uh, tonight, we're going to jump right into the Word of God in Luke chapter 12 and look at a few biblical principles as it relates to our life. I went ahead and took the liberty of filling in your outline for you. So if you picked up an outline on your way in, hey, the the notes are already filled in. So I made your job easy tonight. Uh, But there are some lines there if God speaks to you and you have some additional things uh, that you would like to write down, feel free to do so. We're in Luke chapter 12, and it's an interesting passage when you read through the totality of Luke chapter 12. Because in the beginning of the chapter, it says, In the meantime, verse 1, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. And so Jesus is surrounded by a multitude of people at this time. And there's an innumerable amount of people insomuch that they trod one upon another. And he began to say to the people that were there, the disciples that were there, he began to speak to them. He began to share his words with them. And you would think they're attentive to those words. They're listening to those words. And they're latching on to the sermon that Jesus is giving to them. It's a weighty matter that he's talking to them about. Verse 4 says, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto him, fear him. Fear him. This is a weighty matter. This is talking about trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. Trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. Hey, you shouldn't fear someone else that can kill the body. You should fear God and follow after him. A weighty matter. He goes on in verse 7 to say, hey, you are valuable to God. Verse 7 says, but even the, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You are valuable to God. Can I say to you tonight, you are valuable to God. God cares about you. God cares about your situation. God cares about your, where you are right now. God cares about you. Jesus goes on in verse 8 to say, Whosoever shall confess me, confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Confessing Jesus, and we know now as their personal Savior. Weighty matters that Jesus is speaking to this multitude about. And then all of a sudden, he's interrupted. He's interrupted in this sermon that is so weighty, this sermon that is so important, this sermon that should be latched onto by every individual that is listening. He's interrupted in verse 13, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, think about that in the context of this passage. He's speaking about these biblical doctrinal matters that are very weighty, should be paid attention to by those that are listening. And all of a sudden, this person interrupts Jesus in this great sermon that he's given and says, hey, can you tell my brother that that he should be dividing the inheritance with me? 
He all of a sudden went an entirely different direction. Instead of these doctrinal matters, all he could think about is, hey, this inheritance that is being passed down, I deserve some of it. He began to explain to Jesus what was happening in his own life. And Jesus said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And Jesus is interrupted and all of a sudden he has to go an entirely different direction with his message. And statement number one, if you're looking at your notes tonight, is God's view of wealth. He interrupted and now we're talking about this inheritance that's being divided. But God's view of wealth is very different from man's view of wealth. When you think about man's view of wealth, we think about money. We think about things. We think about the nicer, the newer. Dave Ramsey used to say, we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. That's how we interact with money. It's that rat race, always keeping up with the proverbial Joneses, always keeping up with that person that you see on social media, always keeping up with the nicer and the newer. I've got to have more. I've got to accumulate. I have to fill up everything that I have. I have to fill my house with furniture. I have to fill my, my life with things. That's man's view of wealth. But can I tell you tonight, God's view of wealth is very different from man's view of wealth. God's view of wealth is the first part of chapter 12, knowing Him, having a relationship with Him, being rightly related to Him and to others, loving God and loving others. Jesus is confronted with this question, can you help to divide the inheritance? You've missed the entire message so far, but can you help me divide the inheritance? And Jesus turns his attention and begins to address this man's view of wealth and money and things. And I think we can grasp some concepts out of this passage. We don't have time to dive deeply, but let's look at a few things. He says, first of all, my view is not your view. Verse 15, for a man's life consisteth not of in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Can I tell you tonight that your life is not comprised of the things that you have? Your life is much more important than that. Your life is comprised about your, with your relationship with an Almighty God, with salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Your life is so much more important than that. Jesus goes on to explain to them through a parable in verse 16, and He spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Uh, can you uh, think about this for just a moment? Uh, that says the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. It didn't say that the ground or th that this rich man went out and earned all that he had. It says that he was blessed by God. Because the ground that he had by God, and the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, all the earth and they that dwell therein, it all belongs to God. And the ground that this rich man had brought forth plentifully. It was at the abundance of God giving this rich man all that he had, but he didn't recognize that. And verse 17, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have nowhere to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. 
Uh, this scene that, is that we are beholding here in this passage, maybe verses you've read many times, uh, is hard to understand uh, that he doesn't recognize the hand of God in his life. God has blessed him with all of these riches. And instead of saying, you know what, I have a problem. God, what do you want me to do with all the, this wealth that you've provided to me? He thinks within himself. And he begins to hatch this plan. You know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to tear down these perfectly good barns and build even greater barns so that I can uh, pull all of this increase into my own self and I won't bless anybody with it. I will just build more and have more and exist for more. And Jesus says to him in this parable, but God said unto him, verse 20, Thou fool, this night... Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So is he that, is, that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Can I tell you tonight, God's view of wealth is so much more important than man's view of wealth. We can go through this life trying to accumulate more and add to our riches and be seeking as much overtime as we can get so that we can accumulate a bigger bank account so that we can have a better retirement and God can look at us and say, thou fool. The most important thing you can do is be rich towards God. 2 Corinthians 8-9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. And the pastor said it this way one time, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he emptied out his wallet. He closed his account. He withdrew it all, and he gave everything he had for us. And though he was rich, yet for our sakes, your sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You know, Jesus owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand years. He, he was in heaven and came and gave of his life here on this earth. He gave up all of the heavenly riches to be poor by man's sake so that he could give everything that he has for you and for me so that we can have salvation through his name. Statement number one, God's view of wealth is very different from man's view of wealth. Statement number two, our attitude towards money often indicates our level of trust towards God. Our attitude towards money often indicates our level of trust towards God. Throughout Scripture, there are over 2,000 verses related to money. And the reason that there are so many verses that are related to money is because oftentimes our attitude towards money indicates our attitude towards God. Our attitude towards money often indicates our level of trust towards God. Larry Burkett, an old-time author in the space of biblical stewardship, once said, Show me your checkbook register, and I will tell you what you care about the most. Now, if we would say that in our day and age. Show me your checkbook register, and I will show you that you are over 45 years old uh, because nobody has a checkbook any longer. Uh, but show me your checkbook register. Show me your bank account. Show me your expenditures, and I will show you what you care about uh, the most. We see in verse 22, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, 
neither for the body what ye shall put on. Now this is very different than this rich man. This rich man had problems. His problems were, I have so much wealth, I don't know what to do with it. And instead of blessing other people with it, instead of asking God what he wants me to do with this wealth that he has blessed me with, he thought within himself, and he tears down these barns and he builds bigger barns, or that, that was his plan until God took him in that parable. But Jesus says in, in this passage, therefore I say unto you, don't do what this man did because that's foolish. He says, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. And look in verse 29, And seek not what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. Oftentimes we think, yeah, I know that God cares about me, but I still have to strive after these things. I still have to make sure that I'm doing all of these things to provide for my family. I still have to make sure that, I, that I'm doing all these things to accumulate wealth. And Jesus looks at us sometimes and says, Thou fool, don't you know I care about you? Don't you know that I am your heavenly Father? Therefore I say unto you, don't take thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. Because, verse 23, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. And then he gives a couple of illustrations. Consider the ravens. They are really bad at football. Now, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor they reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God still feeds them. It's an amazing thing. God, this lowly creature called the ravens, He still feeds them. He still takes care of them. They aren't chasing after all of these things, and God still recognizes that they have needs, and God feedeth, feedeth them. Later in that verse, in verse 24, how much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Verse 27 gives us another illustration. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then verse 29, seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Your Father knows that you have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. We go through life oftentimes, and we see what the news is telling us. $8 eggs. We see that bill that comes through that is much higher. My, I got my BGE bill today, and it's the highest BGE bill I've ever seen. And so I go digging in uh, online trying to figure out, did rates go up? And it gave me different indications as to why it went up. And then I realized I had my college students home for the last month. And they took way too long of showers, and they ate way too much food, and they spent way too much in heat. And, and all of these things happen, and now they're back at college. Those things will settle back down. But we, we worry about all these things. And Jesus looks at us and says, Thou fool, don't you know that I care about you? That even the lilies, I take care of them. Even the ravens, I take care of them. And you are so much more valuable than all of these things because you are a child of God. And as your heavenly Father, yes, 
I, I understand that there's biblical concepts of work. I understand that there's biblical concepts of us providing for our family. But when we're seeking first the kingdom of God, God says, hey, all these things are going to be added to you. I know you have those needs. You don't have to worry about the provisions in your life because God knows you have those needs and God will provide. And I like His provisions a whole lot more than what I can provide. God will provide. Statement number three. Our status in this life does not indicate our status in eternity. You may say, Pastor Steve, what do you mean by that? Whether you have much in this life or whether you have very little, if you have a relationship with Jesus tonight, you're, you're extremely blessed. It's not about what your bank account looks like. It's not about what house you live in. There are some people that live in huge mansions and some people that live in shacks. That's not what it's all about. It's about how your relationship is with Jesus. The Bible promises each of us that one day we're going to be walking on streets of gold. The Bible promises us that we're going to be holding the majesty of heaven. And I think about all of those different things, those crystals and those different colors that are all throughout heaven and the light of God's glory shining through all of them as they reflect His glory. And we're going to behold, there's a mansion that is being built for each one of us because we have a relationship with Him. Hey, our status here on this earth has nothing to do with our status in heaven. It's all about our relationship with Him. Matthew 6.19 tells us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moss and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In our passage, it says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In our passage in verse 34, it reiterates, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, our responsibility while we're here on this earth is simply stewardship. God provides provision after blessing after provision upon blessing. We are so blessed just by the nature of living in the United States of America. We have so much compared to what the rest of the world has individually, collectively. And God says, hey, your responsibility is simply stewardship. Managing those things as if you're managing them for the Lord. And don't be as that wealthy man that never consults the owner and decides in himself how I'm going to spend the Lord's blessing. Simply stewardship, you know, our giving back to the Lord. Our stewarding our children as we nurture them, nurture and give them admonition in the Lord. As we nurture or as we steward the gospel, getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. That's our responsibility. Three simple statements tonight. God's view of wealth, very different than man's view of wealth, but oftentimes we get caught up, caught up in what we're being sold on throughout society. Our attitude towards money often indicates the trust that we have in God. God says, hey, I, I love you so much. As your heavenly Father, if, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to His children? And then our status in this life does not indicate our status in eternity. Most of us would re remember the name Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff 
Uh, he was always chasing uh, the, 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 the maximum in his life. He, he set up two different companies throughout his life, and one of those companies uh, would become that corporation uh, that uh, would be the largest Ponzi scheme uh, that the United States has ever seen. Uh, this Ponzi scheme as he's getting people to invest and sometimes taking money out of their account even when they didn't agree to invest. And he began to accumulate all this wealth and spend all this wealth and he's uh, chasing after and he's trying to pay uh, those debts that he owes and he's continuing to chase. And he has this illegal Ponzi scheme uh, that at the height of it when he was arrested uh, was said to have uh, schemed away from uh, thousands of people upwards of $65 billion dollars. The reason that those thousands of people continued to give and continued to invest in what Bernie Madoff was selling them is because they believed there was a guarantee to a return on their investment. They believe that if I invest with him, he's promised me this certain guarantee. And that's what a Ponzi scheme does. They promise you a guarantee and they keep chasing after it and they never can catch up. Bernie Madoff said this later in his life, I left a legacy of shame, as some of my victims have pointed out, to my family and to my grandchildren. This is something I will live in for the rest of my life, and I'm sorry. But at that point, it was a little too late to be saying he's sorry. If you read about his life now, both of his sons have been lost. They, they're, they're, they both died at a very young age. He lost his life in 2021. Uh, but it was because these people were wanting a guaranteed return. Can I tell you tonight, there's only one guaranteed return. And the Bible says this, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is a guarantee. When we invest in the kingdom of God, when you seek first the kingdom of God, God says all these things will be added to you. God says, I will provide for you. God says, I will have treasures in heaven that are laid up in your account. Can I tell you tonight, that is the only guarantee that we have in life. And it's a guarantee by the only one that can actually come through on that guarantee, and that's God himself. Tonight, just some quick principles. As we look in this passage, there's so much more that we could pull out if we had time. Larry Burkett, another quote of his, he said, My greatest fear in life is standing before the Lord and hearing Him say, I had so much more for you, but you held on too tightly. Can I encourage you to seek first the kingdom of God? Lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would use these few thoughts in our hearts and our lives. Lord, there are some that are here tonight that are wondering where that next paycheck's coming from. There are some that are here tonight wondering where that next meal is coming from. There are some that are tuned in online that may be, may be just at their wit's end. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to understand the biblical principle of seeking you first and knowing that you are a good God, knowing that you can provide eternal life and so much more to them tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just bring blessing upon blessing to that one that is struggling right now, that they will put their faith and their trust in you. And we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.